Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And welcome, everyone. We want to welcome you to today's program of Calvary Live, where you, the listener, get to call in and ask questions. Perhaps you got a question about the Bible or Christian living or what's our worldview on certain things that we see going on around us. And so I welcome you to give me a call my name is Jeff Figs. I pastor Calvary Chapel Greeley in Northern Colorado. I'm with you today to take your calls and prayer requests. You just heard the number to call is 303-690-3000, and that will work anywhere in the United States. Give me a call. We have open lines. Grab one of those open lines at the beginning of the show, and we will be sure to get to you and have a conversation about the things of the Lord. We want to give you clarity and understanding as you ask questions. Uh, We want to pray with you. I'm sure that many of you that are listening, you have some prayer requests, and we want to be able to uh, lift those prayers up to the Lord for you. So give me a call. You know the number, 303-690-3000. There's another means for you to be able to text in uh, a question or uh, to be able to uh, for a prayer request that is on a text line, and that number is seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. So give me a call at the three zero three six nine zero three thousand number to be live on the air, and uh, and we'll have a conversation about the things of the Lord, and then you can text in a question or a prayer request at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Welcome all Grace FM listeners here in Colorado. We're so grateful. Uh, for this beautiful day that we have, and uh, hope you're having a great day, whether you're driving home from work or perhaps you're taking the kids to practice, basketball practice, or maybe you're getting them a snack. Uh, Wherever you're at, if you have the opportunity to call, grab one of those open lines, and uh, you can ask your questions and give your prayer requests. Also, want to welcome all the Hope FM and Truth FM listeners on the East Coast and Pennsylvania and New Jersey and Maryland and and North uh, uh, or Kentucky, and uh, I believe uh, North Carolina, some areas in there. But uh, we welcome you to call in as well. If uh, you do call in, remember that the show is a week delayed, but many of you are listening online and calling in and listening to today's program. So I want to welcome all the online listeners. And I also want to say hello to Jamie in uh, Germany uh, that is listening online. Good to talk to you for a little bit and and message you, Jamie. Jamie is our missionary here at the church, and uh, so I just want to say hello to Jamie. Hey, Jamie, we miss you. We love you, and uh, and so looking forward to talking with you some more next week. So uh, if you're tuned in uh, online, you can listen anywhere around the world, and it's so wonderful. So uh, I want to also just to remind you, be praying for your missionaries, um, and they're doing such a wonderful work. Jamie's in Germany. They're helping with the Calvary Chapel there, uh, doing an intern with the kids, doing a great work, 
and uh, we miss her, but we're so excited what the Lord is doing, and uh, we want to remember our missionaries. Uh, we want to support them in prayer. We want to support them any way that we can. So, Jamie, uh, we are thinking of you, and uh, we're so excited to just uh, continue to partner with you in the work that the Lord is doing. So thanks for letting me know that you're listening uh, here today. Hey, give me a call, 303-690-3000. I want to read to you as we begin. We're waiting for the phone lines to ring. And uh, so uh, I want to read to you from Psalm 73. Psalm 73, I was thinking about it today because uh, we see the things going on around us uh, and it can upset us. It can upset us about what is going on in our culture, uh, how we're getting further away from the Lord. It seems like our culture becomes more anti-God in some ways and anti-family, and it can frustrate us. And and it was uh, Asaph that had that same frustration in Psalm 73, and he, he talks about the uh, how good God is, and and he says, but uh, I, I was stumbled. I, I, my steps nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And we can look around and we can think, why is the, the wicked, the unbelievers, whoever, it seems like they're getting away with everything. They're prospering. Uh, but Asaph comes back to the Lord, and he says, it was too painful for me when I thought how to understand this until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. And we need to keep that in mind, that we need to understand that, um, that uh, no one's getting away with anything. And the Lord's desire is that for you and I to continue to be a light and to share the truth of God's Word in love to others and to minister to them and to give them the gospel, they need that for their eyes to be opened up, because Satan blinds those in the world, uh, and the people, the, the natural man, that is, the unbeliever, doesn't understand the things of the Spirit. And so we want to be used to speak the truth in love. We want to give people God's Word and the good news of the gospel that Jesus Christ came and died for your sins, and he rose again, and he's alive. So uh, keep that in mind, that we have the privilege to do that, and what has been promised to us is an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that is kept reserved in heaven by the power of God. And so we have so much to look forward to, and we want to bring as many people as we can uh, into the kingdom and be used in that way. So we want to have an eternal perspective uh, is what we want to have, and not just a t- temporal perspective. We want to to be able to be used of the Lord to give truth and light to others. And at the end of the psalm, uh, Asaph writes, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon the earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And it is good for me to draw near to God, and I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all your works. So a good encouragement, I hope, to you as, uh, as you're coming home from work or school, uh, or maybe you're, you're going to work, maybe you're on swing shift or something, to keep our eyes on the Lord and to desire Him. And let's go to the Lord together. So give me a call. We have open lines, and uh, that number is 303-690-3000. I'll repeat that throughout the show. And then the text uh, line dedicated for uh, you to be able to text in a question or a prayer request is 720-336-0897. Let's go to Isaac in Parker. Hi, Isaac. You're on Calvary Live. 
So I have a question. So, you know how there's one, how the Bible says not to change, not to change the word. So do you, do you know where in the Bible that it says that, Isaac? No, I know it says it somewhere in the Bible. Well, let me give you kind of a reference, okay? And I think I know what you're saying. You're breaking up a little bit on the phone, Isaac. But it says in the book of Revelation, towards the end of the Bible, that if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away the part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from those things which are written in the book. Is that the reference that you're you're thinking about? Yeah. Well... The thing is, what's very, very important is that we stick to the Word of God, that we believe the Word of God, that Paul would write to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all Scripture is inspired by God. In Isaac, that word inspired means God breathed. So from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation twenty two twenty one, is God's Word breathed you know, to us, given to us, the written Word, the Logos, and we can believe that it, it is inspired, it's infallible, the inerrancy of the Word of God. Uh, we can believe the Word of God. It is profitable, is what Paul says, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness, that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so uh, that's what we want to remember, um, is that the Word of God is given to us to trust in. So is that kind of where you're going, Isaac? No. No, not really, but, but like, okay. I'm, I'm trying to say, why are there so many different versions, like, translations of oh, okay. the Bible? Like, new, yeah, there are. The, and, and I right. if we're not supposed to do anything to the Bible, and we're supposed to keep it as it is. Well, you got to remember that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was re- written in Greek. So very few of us that we speak Hebrew. Do you speak Hebrew, Isaac? No. I don't either. Um, I don't speak Greek either. So the translations are translating the Hebrew into Greek into what we have versions of the Bible into English. So you have these different versions um, with the translations, uh, King James, New King James, NIV, uh, that different scholars have taken different ancient uh, texts and translated them. Um, so there's, you know, different copies of the Old uh, Testament. But um, so some of those translations are good. They're called the word-for-word translation, King James, New King James. You know, uh, there's different uh, versions of the Bible, New American Standard, NIV, all these things. So that's why you have different versions. And it seems like there's more and more all the time. But it's just taking what the original language says and um, and there's different people that translate it into English, and um, that we have before us. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Hey, hey, thanks for calling, Parker. Appreciate it. And hey, Parker. Yeah. Do you what? Do you have a good translation of the Bible? I have New King New King James version. All right, that's what I use. Been teaching it, so that's a good translation. You read your Bible, you study it, and uh, memorize verses from the New King James and take the Word of God and tuck it away in your heart, okay? Okay. Thanks for calling, Isaac. Good question. Very good question.
All right. God bless you. 303-690-3000 is the number to call if you want to be on the air. We have open lines. When somebody hangs up, you know that there's an open line, so it's good to grab one of those open lines right away, and uh, we can talk about the things of the Lord. Uh, so give me a call at that number. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley in northern Colorado. Again, welcome everyone who is listening today uh, in Grace FM and then on the East Coast or throughout the country online. But let's go ahead and continue with the phone calls with Mark in Aurora. Mark? Yeah, hello, hello. How are you, Mark? Oh, I'm doing fine. Good. What, what do you um, got for me today? My, my question was, um, it was a kind of a tricky subject. Uh, I went to um, uh, a church with my daughter down there in Highlands Ranch this weekend, and it was a United Methodist Church, and they're coming up on a four-year conference from, they're going to, all over the world, they're going to meet, and I don't know where they're meeting, but in the next couple of weeks, and the subject the reverend was bringing up was trying to compare uh, Simon and Peter and John, I believe, that when they when Jesus asked them to leave their fishing nets and follow me, and it mm-hmm. was a new thing, and they did it willingly, and then their church is approaching the subject of LGB community and that whole group on letting them... Uh, integrate with the United Methodist Church. And I mm-hmm. and I tried to tell my daughter that they're they're putting their you know it's a new it's just it's it's like modern day where they twist the words and make it to what they want it to be. And and I know yeah. where <clears throat> you know with with you know a lot of um more and more I should say mm-hmm. um, mainline denominational churches um, even non-denominational independent churches um, are leaning that way, um, or the acceptance of homosexuality and, and transgender and the LBGTQ community. Right. And um, but the thing that we need to remember is even as Isaac called, Isaac called and it was you know asking about good translations, the Word of God. Why would we add to it? Uh, we have the Word of God given to us, and as Christians, we need to stand on the Word of God, the truth of God's Word. And w- we see a lot of this in our culture, and Christians, I, I pray for us, and, and I know for, for me as a church that we want to stand true to God's Word. Um, when he called um, Matthew, or when he called, excuse me, Peter and James, and uh, John and James, or brothers, and, and Peter and Andrew, uh, f- to follow after him, um, it was to follow after him. To follow after him means that you're going to stand for truth. And Jesus would say to those guys in the upper room that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He is truth, and the Word of God is truth, and we want to proclaim that truth in love to everyone who's a non-believer, um, to to those who are, um, you know, out there in our culture, um, to the heterosexual community, the homosexual community, we want to give them the truth of the gospel. 
and we want to share that truth in love. And um, unfortunately, there are churches that are um, not doing that and are not going to stand on the Word of God, and um, and it's unfortunate. So we just need to keep praying, keep sharing the truth uh, with others. And, um, and and what I hope and pray, Mark, is that people understand that uh, for me— we don't hate the homosexual community or the transgender. Jesus loves them, but he is calling them to repentance and to turn to him. He's calling the person who's in heterosexual sin to repent. He's calling the person who's a non-believer to repent. That's what we need to remember, and we want to share that with others because the good news is this, that Jesus died for them because of his love for them. And he went to the cross and shed his blood so that we can have forgiveness and hope and that we can know truth and that we can live in that truth and uh, to become a new creation in Christ. And that's what we want to share with whoever it is. And um, I think about Paul uh, in 1 Corinthians, and you probably, Mark, are familiar with this, uh, but Paul would say to them, that don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covets, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says this, And such were some of you, but you were washed, and you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So we want to give them the good news, and, and that um, without Jesus Christ, uh, anyone is lost. Um, and we want to share with them the love of Jesus Christ, and, and that he died for them and for their sins, just like he died for my sins and your sins, Mark. Right? Right. right. Uh, amen. Yeah, amen. Uh, yes, I, and I just want to be uh, positive towards her and help her grow in yeah. her faith, because, you know, they're they're in their late 20s or oh i guess early 30s now and and um they've, they've just come to christ this year and and they've known known it their whole lives but now they realize that what they're missing yeah. and, I, and i just want to be positive to them and and welcome everybody yeah and we want to give them truth and the truth with love and the Scriptures gives us truth, and I'm so thankful for the truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Okay, well, thank you. You bet. God bless you. Yeah, God bless you. All right, we have open lines that I can see. Um, 303-690-3000 is the number to call. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figgs. Also, you can be able to text in a question or a prayer request at 720-336-0897. And let's go to Shane in Colorado Springs. How you doing today, brother? Good. How are you, Shane? Oh, any better and I'd be dead. Uh, <laughs> how, th- how are things down in the springs? It's doing great. It's nice and warm, so can't complain too much. Uh-oh. I have a lot of good memories down in Colorado Springs. Very special place in my heart. Yes. Yeah, it's a very special place. It's one that God loves, just like everywhere else. But I think he loves it a little bit more because of the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, I had I was doing some reading yesterday, and I did a little bit of research. Um, 
last night, and I just wanted a little bit of clarity, if you could. I was uh, reading Romans 7, uh, verse 19, and it mm-hmm. said, in the New King James it says, For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. And so, and I was looking up, I was using my Strong's yesterday, last night, to kind of look up and see what he meant by practice, and it didn't have it in there, and so it's in the original, one of the, I guess the King James Version, it would be do. Um, And so the two different do's in that verse, one refers to just as something that you would naturally desire to do, and the other one is a habitual, the second one where it says practice would be a habitual type of practice. And is that referring to him like evil is sin, or well, how would that be? Because I know when you habitually practice sin, that God cannot use you to the your full ability, because you're not completely obedient to him. But how would that kind of go along with that? Yeah, you kind of um, hit a couple things there. I just read, I don't know if you heard while you were waiting to go online, I just read to Mark, First uh, Corinthians 6, that Paul says, those who practice such things will inherit the kingdom of God. And that word practice means to habitually continue in sin, uh, to practice sin, to uh, continue in sin without any conviction or desire to change. Here in Romans chapter 7, what we see going on is Paul has explained the doctrine of justification in chapters 3, 4, and 5, that we're justified freely by uh, our, um, by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We're saved by faith alone. We can't work for it. We can't earn it. We can't merit it. I think that Christians need to really understand that uh, because a lot of times people will call and say, well, you have to do this. You have to you know, worship on this day, or you have to be baptized, or you have to take communion, or you have to, you know, whatever it might be. There's nothing that we can do to earn salvation. Jesus finished the work on the cross. So that's chapters 3, 4, and 5. Then chapter 6, Paul talks about the doctrine of sanctification. And what he does is chapter 6, he says that we're dead to the sin. Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, certainly not. That that we're dead to sin, reckon it to be so. Uh, we identify with Christ. Uh, we yield our bodies over as, as instrument of righteousness. In chapter 6, he goes on to say, we're not slaves to sin, um, but we're slaves to him, is what we are, servants to him unto righteousness. Chapter 7, Paul then says that now, not only are we dead to sin, but that now we're dead to the law. Because here's the deal, and this is the emphasis of chapter 7, is that Paul is saying that the law is good, God's you know standard is, is good, the problem is, we cannot keep the law in our own energy. And if you are trying to keep the law in your own flesh, and as you go through this chapter, he talks about the flesh, the flesh. The, the word spirit is not mentioned in the chapter once. So he's talking about his own struggle that we can have. Even though we're saved, we have this war- warring that's going on, don't we? Yeah. We have this warring, he writes about in Galatians, the flesh wars with the spirit, the spirit with the flesh. And uh, so here he's talking about, listen, if you try to keep the law in your own energy, 
you're going to end up in the mess that he describes here in chapter 7, and that is what I want to do, the good that I want to do, I don't do, and the evil that I do, I don't do. And now if I do what I will not to to do, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. He's talking about that sin nature that's in us. So then when you go to chapter 8, he talks about we don't walk after the flesh, we walk after the Spirit. And as we walk in the Spirit, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He goes on to say that, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So you got to keep it in context. What Paul's talking about, here's the problem with the law. It cannot give you the ability to keep it. Only the Spirit of God can. And so that's what you need to keep in mind as you go through chapter 7. And okay. if we try to you know, roll up our sleeves and grit our teeth, and I'm going to be a good person, you're going to fail in that. And that's why it's so wonderful about being a Christian is the Spirit of God dwells in us. And, and chapter 8, verse 9 is a very important verse to show people because sometimes people say, well, you know, um, I'm a Christian, but I'm not one of those born-again Christians. I don't know if Shane has anybody ever said that to you. Yeah. And um, it's like you can't be a Christian unless you are born again, right? Exactly. Uh, John chapter 3 declares to us uh, that, uh, as Jesus said, Nicodemus, and this was a very religious man, right? He was the master teacher of Israel. And he says, Nicodemus, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And so Nicodemus struggled with that, and he would finally get it. He would come to understand it, but we must be born again by the Spirit of God. And our spirit is dead until we come to Jesus Christ, but he uh, has made us alive, as Ephesians 2 says, um, by his great love, and we're born again. So if we try to keep the law in the flesh, in our religiousness, we are going to end up in the mess that's described there that you just read in chapter 7 of Romans. Okay, so he's not necessarily, he's not necessarily talking about what, uh, like what situation his heart's in right then and what he's going through at that time. It's more of like he's trying to tell the Romans that, hey, this is what you have to watch out for and this is what you have to do because if you don't keep your eyes on Christ, then you will fall back into your flesh because of the fiery darts and the sin nature that you have, and you'll be in this portion of the Scripture. Yeah, you know, and that's that's the thing. There's a, a debate whether this is Paul before he was saved or after he was saved. Um, you know, he tells us that that in my flesh is no good thing dwells, in verse 18 um, of the chapter. So... Sometimes I read that and I think, there's got to be something good in my flesh, isn't there? And, and the Lord says, nope, there's no good thing. And, sure. um, but the main thing to, to take away from this chapter is this. There's no good thing in our flesh. And if we try to walk in the flesh in our own energy, then we're going to have to struggle. We have that struggle as it is anyway, because he says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. In other words, sin dwells in me, he says throughout the chapter. We have that sin nature, and the flesh rears its ugly head. So we need to be walking in the Spirit. Definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. You bet. Absolutely. Good question. So keep reading, okay? Definitely. You have a blessed evening. Take care. You too, too, Shane. 
Good question. Chapter 7 is, you know, Paul comes to the conclusion, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he doesn't say how. He says, who will deliver me from this body of death? And I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the um, uh, mind, I myself served the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. He He's saying, here's the answer, is Jesus Christ as we yield to him and walk with him. Hey, we have open lines, so give me a call, 303-690-3000. Grab an open line, and we'll be right back on the other side of the break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. This is Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley. So blessed to be with you this afternoon. And we do have some open lines. Give me a call. we got plenty of time to have those conversations, uh, answer your questions, give uh, to to go to the Lord in your prayer requests to the throne of grace because he's a compassionate and sympathetic high priest. So I'd love to be able to uh, just converse with you, talk about the things of the Lord. Let me give you that text line again, 720-336-0897. And uh, you can text in a prayer request or a question. And as uh, we get towards the end of the show and we're I got some time. We'll go to those questions and prayer requests. Just want to let you know that tomorrow night here at Calvary Greeley, if you're in northern Colorado, we are continuing our study in the book of of Revelation. We're going through the seven uh, letters to the seven churches, and we'll be looking at the church of Thyatira and Pergamos uh, here this week, last week. Uh, Even though it was snowy on Wednesday, we did have our service and um, and uh, we talked about Smyrna, the persecuted church. It was such a, a wonderful study, a powerful study that spoke so much to us because in Smyrna is where they would worship the emperors of Rome. And as long as you went and burned incense to uh, you know the, the emperor and bowed the knee and say, Caesar is Lord, they would give you a certificate, and then you can go and worship any other god that you wanted to. And, um, you know, they had the golden street there in Smyrna and uh, all kinds of altars and temples to other gods. And the Christians, if they would have gone to the De Roma, the temple dedicated to uh, Caesar, uh, and burn incense to him and bow the knee and, and say Caesar is Lord and get their certificate, then they'd go home and worship Jesus. They would not have been bothered. But the Christians were saying no. The Christians were saying, we're not going to do this. So that's where persecution came to the Church of Smyrna. They were the persecuted church. And, of course, you have the story of Polycarp, who was the pastor there, who went to the stake and was burnt at the stake. Uh, But here's the thing, folks. For us as Christians, that the world is saying, we don't care if you worship Jesus as long as you don't say that he alone is Lord and uh, and you um, are all-inclusive and that uh, you uh, say that there's other ways to heaven, other 
gods to worship. As long as you do that, we're not going to bother you. But, of course, we know, as I said already on this show, that Jesus is the way, definite article, the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. And he is Lord. And he is the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. So stand firm for the truth of Jesus Christ. And he gives a promise um, that, uh, as you do, there's a promise of eternal life that is for you. And uh, when when the Lord comes back, it is going to be Jesus that's sitting on the throne. So, hey, uh, let's go back to the phone lines. Let's go to Jay in Denver. Jay? Hey. Hey, how are you? Jay, you there? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. How are you? Yeah. You're on Calvary Live. Uh, I'm doing good. Good. Um, so I, I had a follow-up question regarding the Romans 7 discussion. I... Uh, I didn't get to hear the whole conversation, but I had been wanting to call in and ask this question for quite some time. Okay. Um, so my buddy, and I guess I could say myself a bit, um, kind of have a, a, a uh, kind of a differing view, I guess, than a lot of the teaching that I hear. But I, I go to Calvary, and then um, I listen to Grace FM all the time. But like. Mm-hmm. I was wondering what the how do you how do you come to a proper balance of your new life in Christ and dwelt by the Holy Spirit and the whole sinful nature thing because like and I mean scripturally I mean I understand that um, like right. in the living it out sense but like so the Romans seven where he's talking about the struggle with with the sinful nature and then in Romans eight where he talks about um, you're, where he, he says, um, you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Right. And then, like, other verses about, like, you know, I've been crucified and I no longer live, and and then Second uh, Corinthians 5.17, the whole uh, new creation, old things passed away, old things become new, and then, like, reckon yourselves dead to sin but alive in Christ. Verses like that, where it's like, that part of you is dead. Like, so right. basically live in your new identity, which is in the, your new nature, but like, right. and I've heard it's like dragging around a corpse, basically. So like, mm-hmm. but that, but that part of us is dead, right? So like, it's really like, I, I don't know, I just the, want some balance. Yeah, and I think you're asking a good question, and I think it's a question that we struggle with. It's like, you know, I'm supposed to walk in the Spirit, does that mean that I'm not going to struggle in the flesh? or I'm not going to sin again, we know that's not true. And I think that John, in his epistle, when he writes, he says, I write these things to you that that your joy may be full. He goes on and he says, I write these things to you so you do not sin. And then he goes and he says, if we say that we have no sin, in chapter 1, verse 8, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Um, As we come to Christ, we are born again by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God comes in us, dwells in us. We're a new creation in Christ. But as Paul writes in chapter 8, that transition of Romans, that there therefore now is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, that's a wonderful promise. It's a wonderful promise for us. He did not say that we won't ever sin. He does not say that we won't ever commit sin. Um that we won't ever struggle. 
but we do because the flesh rears its ugly head and there's this warring that goes on. But what we're to do is constantly be going back to the Lord, constantly, you know, uh, going to him and asking for help and uh, to not be walking in the flesh, but be walking in the spirit. And I know that even Galatians tells us that as we walk in the spirit, we won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. So it doesn't mean that we won't struggle. It doesn't mean that this warring doesn't, you know, continue to take place because it does. It does in our lives, and it, and it can be hard. And, you know, he says, I say then in Galatians chapter 5, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. These things are contrary to one another, so you do not have, do not do the things that you wish. Um, so we still have that sin nature in us as we are growing in the Lord, as we are uh, being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, it does not mean that we will be sinless, but it should mean that as we continue to grow and trust in him and walk with him, that we're sinning less. And there are some things in our lives that, you know, uh, perhaps everybody's different, that they had a struggle at one time, they were walking in the flesh at one time, and God just brought, you know, deliverance and healing and freedom. There are other things that we struggle with, um, and it seems like it continues, and we're continually going back and um, and saying, Lord, help me. So walking in the Spirit doesn't mean that we don't ever sin, you know, uh, we won't sin again, we won't, you know, have the flesh rear its ugly head. It means that we walk in the Spirit looking to the Lord and the Spirit of God to help us and empower us to live a life for Him. So I don't know if that kind of helps you, uh, Jay. It it does. Um, I guess my biggest thing is like, so in Romans 8, the verse I had quoted at first, the one that says, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of Christ dwells within you. Is that like when, I think it's Romans 8 as well, where he's talking about you are glorified, justified, sanctified, like how God sees us in a in a perfected state, despite the fact that, like, because he because he knows the beginning from the end type of a thing, or is how do, how would you explain the the part where he says you are not in the flesh, but in well, the spirit? There, there's a whole you know there's a whole teaching on that, but he says you're therefore no condemnation those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to flesh but according to spirit. It's like he's saying. Now that you're saved again and you have the Spirit of God, but you are not in the flesh, but the Spirit indeed, the Spirit of God dwells in you, and you have the Spirit of God in you, so you walk according to the Spirit. Again, it does not mean that we won't ever sin or, you know, the flesh doesn't rear its ugly head. And then he goes on to say, as he starts the chapter, but there's no condemnation, then he goes on to say that you have the Spirit of adoption uh, that— uh, you cry out, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself, that is the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. We belong to him. We have this confidence, I belong to you, Lord. And then he goes on to say, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conforming to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he called, whom he called, these he justified, whom he justified, these he also glorified. It's all in the past tense, right? 
Right. So it's a work that he's doing in us. God does have foreknowledge. Like you said, Isaiah declares he, he knows the end from the beginning. He knows all things. We don't have foreknowledge. He does. And so he did call us before the foundation of the world. He knew who would be saved. And we have, I believe, the security of of what he has begun. Salvation is the work of God from beginning to end, and he will bring it to completion. Uh, and that brings comfort to me, because whom he predestined, these he also called, who he called, he justified, whom he justified, he also glorified. Past tense, as good as done. And we know that Paul writes to the Philippians believers that he who has begun a good work in us will bring it to completion. So I don't fully understand it, Jay, but I rejoice in it. I know that the flesh rears its ugly head, and it's frustrating sometimes, but I do know this, that the Spirit of God dwells in me to help me to live for him. And that just causes me to want to cry out to him and to 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 depend on him because um it can be a struggle at times and you know it isn't like this magic formula uh but there's truth that we can stand on that listen there's no condemnation for those in Christ the spirit of God dwells in me and it's doing a work in me conforming me into the image of Jesus Christ day by day amen absolutely amen so um yeah. could I could I ask one prayer request Sure, absolutely. Um, so my mom has been, uh, she was in the hospital for like a week, and then uh, she's been off work now for like a couple months and has a couple more months to go before she's supposed to be able to go back to work. Um, and she was denied uh, workman's comp, and I'm not sure if her short-term disability is kicking in or whatever, but just prayers for her to be healed completely and uh, taken care of financially in the meantime. Absolutely. Father, we do. We just pray for Jay's mom. We pray that as she's been in the hospital and losing income and, and, and you know, losing those days of work or, or whatever the diagnosis is, that if there's disability that um, could be a benefit and help to her economically, financially, that, Lord, sometimes it's denied, but I pray that the process would continue, that she would have her needs met, that you be with Jay to be able to encourage her and minister to her. And, Lord, I do pray that you would just um, just provide for her and uh, in every way bring healing to her physically, but, Lord, also bring comfort to her, knowing that you will supply all our needs in Christ Jesus, that you care for her. So, Lord, I pray you show yourself strong on her behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You bet, Jay. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. Good questions. Thanks, man. Bye. You bet. 303-690-3000. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figgs of Calvary Greeley. Let's go to Stephen and Parker. Hey, Pastor. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. So uh, I've been working on um, spending intentional time in prayer. Uh And I've found that sometimes in my prayers, I get this strange feeling like I'm leaving Jesus out of that. Okay. And I'm curious. um, I've asked a few 
of my friends who are, you know, much more mature believers than I am. And some say, yes, it's okay to pray to Jesus, and some say, no, there's no evidence in the Bible where anybody prays to Jesus. So I know, like in Acts, um, Stephen makes a statement, but I don't necessarily know that it was a prayer to Jesus to, like, receive his spirit. Um, Mm -hmm. Is that something you could help me understand? Yeah, and Jesus, um, when in John chapter 14, he would say to his disciples, he would say, um, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, talking about prayer, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Um, You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, some of the faith teachers have taken that to say that, you know, just— Ask in Jesus' name, and it's a magical formula that, you know, you'll get whatever you want, kind of like Jesus is a a slot machine that you put in your, you know, token prayer request and pull the lever, and you're going to get the jackpot. But Jesus is saying, as you pray in my name, it's speaking about the nature and the the essence of, of God. Jesus said to those disciples, also in that chapter, a few verses before that, that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, because they were asking him, show us the Father that it may suffice us. And Jesus said, oh, you've been with me all this time, Philip. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, if you want to know what the Father's like, then um, then you uh, look at me. If you want to know what the heart of God the Father's like, look at me. So it is praying in Jesus' name means praying in his authority and he's the intercessor for us, as Romans 8 says, that he intercedes on our behalf. And um, and that's amazing to me, that the Lord intercedes for us. So we pray to the, you know, to the Father. He said, when the disciples came, and they said, teach us to pray, which I find interesting, right. because when you consider that, they didn't say, teach us to work miracles, um, Stephen. They yeah. didn't say, uh, teach us to, you know, to give a powerful sermon. They said, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this manner. Father, you know, and that was amazing back then because the religious leaders, they did not dare utter the name of Jehovah. You know, Yahweh, unpronounceable. Uh, and, when, and Jesus comes along and says, my father, and, and that really got under their skin. He says to the disciples, you pray our Father who art in heaven. So you pray to the Father, you pray in Jesus' name, in the power of the Holy Spirit. So really the Trinity is there. The, the Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 8 says, it's, it's there in our weaknesses. When we don't know how to pray, how we ought, that the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered, you know, according to the word of God. Uh, the will of God. He searches the hearts. He he knows when we are even to a point we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit is there with groanings inexpressible to pray for us, to intercede for us. So the Holy Spirit intercedes, Jesus intercedes, but we pray to the Father. Okay. You know, and and we, sure. we pray in Jesus' name because um, we come to the Father through Jesus Christ. 
and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the way I see it. That's the way I see it in the Scriptures. I think that's a good balance in that. Okay. Do you have time for a quick follow-up question? Sure. So in that, what is the best way to have a relationship with Jesus? You know, as it says in the Bible that um, that he'll tell you, I, you know, I don't know you, so so depart from me. Um, what does that look like if you're supposed to pray to the Father in Jesus' name? Is that just a relationship that happens naturally through God's work in your life and then through reading the Word and studying His life? It's coming to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. See, in that text, you're quoting from Matthew 7, I believe, that okay. Jesus Jesus would say that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, you know, um, is going to enter the kingdom of God. Um, and let me read it to you so, uh, for the sake of our readers uh, that are listening. But th- that's kind of a, as he was given the Sermon on the Mount, um, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You can say, you know, in, in, in Jesus' name, but where's your heart? I think the key in that is I never knew you. Because being a Christian is about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Coming and saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm coming to you. I'm repenting. I'm turning to you. Forgive me of my sins. I ask that you sit upon the throne of my life and my heart as my personal Lord and Savior. Then it's real, and we have that personal relationship. But there are those that perhaps that you can say the name of Jesus, but if it isn't real, if you don't have true faith, living faith, then it doesn't mean anything. And it's interesting that Jesus said that there are those who did these these incredible works, um, you know, that, Lord, Lord, didn't we do these wonderful works, which shows that we're not saved by works, we're saved by knowing him and turning to him. So that's what the text is telling us there, is that the key is, he said, I never knew you, I didn't have a relationship with you, um, maybe you had religiousness, um, Maybe there's some, you know, something that was going on, but he said, I never knew you. So I don't know if that kind of gets to the gist of what you're asking. Yeah, yeah, that, that helps me understand. I appreciate you taking the time. You know, Stephen, here's the thing. Just enjoy your relationship with the Lord. You know, he, he, you're forgiven. You, you know, you belong to him. You have this spirit of adoption, as we were talking about in Romans 8, to, to be able to cry out, Abba, Father, you know, Daddy, we're the only ones that can say that. Those of us who have come to Jesus Christ in faith, he's the way to the Father. There's no other way. And you have the spirit of adoption, and he goes on to say, because we have the spirit of adoptions, we're we're heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, um, and uh, that's good news. So, you know, pray to the Father in Jesus' name, you know, because he's the way to the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit who will, you know, help us to pray. Because praying doesn't mean that we're trying to manipulate God. 
we want to pray to be in line with his will for our lives, even as Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. Yeah, so hopefully that yeah. encourages you. Okay. Yeah, it does. I really appreciate it. And you, you guys on Grace FM do uh, do great things, and and I appreciate everything you do. Praise God. So thank you. Have a good Have a good evening, Stephen. Thanks you for too. calling. Uh, I'm back. You bet. All right, we got a little bit of time left. We do have Eddie that's been wedding, uh, waiting from Inglewood. Eddie, yeah, how you doing, Pastor? Good. How are you? Oh, I am well. Okay. Uh, I'll make it quick. My question is, Ezra, was Ezra written before Isaiah? Um, let me think. I got, you know, you're, you're causing me to go back to my Old Testament survey. So Ezra is part of the historical books, and it would be written after Isaiah, okay? So Ezra, you get to those historical books. So uh, you have the historical the historical section of the Old Testament, right, that begins with um, with uh, Joshua um, and goes all the way through uh, uh, Nehemiah. And because um, you have the last three uh, books of the historicals, you have Ezra, right? Okay. You have Nehemiah and you have Esther. Those all took place after the captivity, of Babylon. Isaiah is okay. on the okay. scene. Isaiah is on the scene at the time that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. So he's on the scene about 740 uh, BC. Um, Ezra, during his time, is about um, five. Um, you know, 38 BC. Here comes Cyrus. He gives the decree. They go into captivity in 605 B.C. The temple's destroyed in 586 B.C. About 538 uh, B.C. is when uh, they're able to go back, Zerubbabel and Joshua the high priest, and rebuild the temple. So that's the time of Ezra. And then Nehemiah comes in about 445 B.C. to rebuild the streets and the walls around Jerusalem. So hopefully I gave you an accurate historical line there. Uh, yeah, you did. I was just reading Isaiah, and I know that in chapter 8, I believe, it talks about Emmanuel coming and um, basically the foretelling of Christ. And then right. after chapter 8, it talks about the destruction. And I know currently in Israel, they're talking about rebuilding the temple. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's in there, verse 10, chapter 9, I believe. Um, right. kind of skimming through it, and it was talking about rebuilding the temple. And I was like, so did this happen after or before? But you kind of you kind of made sense. And then um, uh, just real quick, because I know time is really short. Um, I, I heard, um, and it goes off that last gentleman's question too. I've been uh, doing other studies and um, I'm kind of under the uh, impression now, I understand that, you know, it is the blood of Christ that saves us. And uh, I've always asked myself that question too, with, um, you know, uh, when Jesus says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, yeah. I never knew you. Um, um, I was kind of under the impression those are the people who don't abide by Christ's commands or even the original commands at all, that they just say, I'm, I'm saved and, you know, I could go live in, uh, basically any life I want that workers of lawlessness are the people who completely right. abandon, um, anything God has put forth. Yeah. And the Bible, 
Yeah, the the Bible tells us, come into Christ, and and then Paul he talks about that coming to Christ after he talks about this whole doctrine of justification that we're justified freely by his grace through redemption as in Christ Jesus. We're not saved by works. But then he says, because the reader might read that and say, okay, if we are saved by grace, this uh, the unmerited favor of God, then does that mean I can go out and live any way that I want? And Paul begins that section of sanctification in chapter 6 of Romans by saying, should we continue in sin that grace abounds? He says, certainly not. We're dead to sin. And we identify with Christ in the newness of life. And so that's the key. That's the key that we are dead to sin. We're not under slave to sin. We don't serve sin, but we're free to live for him. And that's what it means to be a Christian, to know him. Again, it doesn't mean that we won't ever sin again or, you know, the flesh wears its ugly head. But what it means is is that we don't continue in sin and in, in, in walking in sin. That's not what being a Christian is about. We have faith in our hearts, the Holy Spirit in our hearts, and we are to yield to the Lord as uh, reckon it to be so, is what Paul writes, as instruments of righteousness. But we don't do that perfectly. So it's knowing yeah. him, having a relationship with him, being surrendered to him. So Definitely. Hey, definitely. thanks. Well, thank thanks, you so much. Brother. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You bet. Y'all. Hey, sorry, Michelle, didn't get to you, but call me next time, and i uh, love to talk to you. Hey, everybody, have a blessed evening. Thanks so much for being a part of the show. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.